boy, it's good uh, to be following the Lord and to see how he's already working. This is, this is our second preview service, and after this, we'll be getting to our launch in January. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. Christmas time is upon us, and I love, I love the traditions. I love um, just the nostalgia that's around Christmas. We all have our own traditions. I know if I just pulled the room for how many people open presents on Christmas Eve versus Christmas morning versus both, it's all going to be different things. We have our own ways of doing Christmas. Um, I think what makes some of the parts of Christmas so special is the family and friends and loved ones that are around us in the Christmas time. That's kind of built into our DNA that at Christmas you need to be near family. About three, well, three years ago, Christmas, uh, we planned a trip out to California. We wanted it to be a long trip, um, so we left early December, uh, hit the road out there, and we were going to stay all the way through to the end of the year. At that time, God had been using our family in the life of our, I say landlord, so much more than a landlord, John um, and his little daughter, Ariah. Um, I asked him if I could share this story. Um, and it was a tough time for him at that time. Uh, he was going through, uh, it, it was custody battle. CPS was involved with concerns about the mom. There was a lot that God was using us as a family to come alongside him at that time. And in that, we had been approved by CPS as a placement for Ariah. Should anything come up that... Uh, that she wouldn't have to go into foster care. Our family could take care of her. Um, incredible what God has done through that. Now, John has a family together. He's well past that. I, can, I am just honored to call him my friend and, and brother in Christ. But at that time, uh, right before we left to go to California, there was an incident that occurred that we thought, oh, this might end up being something that CPS would be involved in. And so another family in the church uh, offered to be there on hand that should something come up, they could just at the drop of a hat be there to respond and be able to take and care for Ariah. Uh, so we went ahead and hit the road for California. And sure enough, I hadn't been there for a couple days, and uh, the CPS had to get involved. Uh, the family in the church was able to help out, but it was clear I needed to fly back to Texas. Uh, so I did, and through that week, of just working with CPS, figuring things out. In my mind, all I could think of is, what do I need to do? How can this work out so that I can get back to my family in California and we can have Christmas together? And uh, we, we tried different options working through, you know, could Araya come with me to California? No, she couldn't leave the state. She had to stay in Texas. Um, and worked through a number of things. Finally, they said, okay, we can do a temporary placement. Well, we have somebody that she'll be placed with temporarily, and then uh, you go back to California at the end of your vacation, then, then you guys uh, can take Ariah in. So we had all the paperwork finished. I had plane tickets already to get back last minute, got all that done, and John took me to the airport and got through security, ready to get on the plane, and he called me and said, David, you can't get on that plane. I said, what's, what's going on? And he said, um, CPS just called. Somebody higher up just reviewed the case. 
And in a case like this, they can't do a temporary placement. And they said, if she doesn't go with you tonight, she's going into foster care. She has to be placed tonight. Um, so I said, okay. At that point, I remember the feeling. I was so sad on getting back to my family. There's been few times that I've been that just disappointed. There's something about Christmas and just that every effort they were taking to try to get there, and now it all is just blocked. You're not going to go be able to see your family. I wasn't going to get on that plane. Of course not. So we came back, and we decided that Elizabeth would stay out there with the kids and, and finish Christmas out with the family in California and come back at the end of the year. I missed my family, my wife and kids, but I got to experience in that time the family of God, the church that was around me, around John, around Uriah, come alongside of us and just loving on us and seeing in a new way the reality of a family that God has created that is his body, his church. I am so blessed and thankful to be a part of the family of God. God is starting a new family unit here, Hope Church, Iglesia Esperanza. It's incredible. Uh, over this past year, he's been forming this body, and we've already got to see life events. We've already got to see people reaching out and helping each other. It's been incredible to be a part of what God's forming as a new family unit here. So this morning, I want to dig into God's Word to see what is God's family? What is it that God is forming in Hope Church? This isn't something that just we've put together. This is a work of God, and he's got directions for it in here. So I want to dig into God's word to look at what is the family of God. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you for Hope Church, Iglesia Esperanza. Thank you for calling us to be a part of it. God, thank you for your plan that you have put together the family of God. It is something incredible, something that glorifies you. God, I pray that we as Hope Church would get this right, that we wouldn't just do our own thing, but that we would follow the direction that you have for us, that we would be the family that you've designed us to be. God, as we open your word, show us your truth, your Holy Spirit, Show us your truth so that we know it, not just in our mind, but in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the first point I want to get into might be a little, I guess, obvious, uh, but it's, it's vital that we, that we understand it. Um, first point is that the family of God is founded in Jesus Christ. Hope Church is founded in Jesus Christ. But what does that really mean? I think we probably all agree, yes, we are founded in Jesus Christ. We're Christians. It's all about Jesus Christ. But what does it mean that our church is founded in Jesus Christ? In this season, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of, a lot of decorations. There's a lot of symbols that we have the most Relevant one to the birth of Jesus Christ is the symbol of the nativity. We see Jesus' birth there. We see Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem and the manger and animals around and the shepherds there 
And even though they don't really show up at that point, we see the wise men there. The nativity uh, is, shows us that glorious beginning of Christ. What's so glorious about Jesus' birth? Well, Jesus coming to the earth was the fulfillment of promise. Fulfillment of promise to Abraham that God would bless the nations of the earth through his offspring. Jesus was that offspring. Fulfillment of promise to King David that the King David, that his, his kingdom would reign forever. Jesus was that king that would carry the kingdom forever. Is the promise to a world lost in sin of a savior. Jesus had arrived on the scene. So let's look. This is Christmas time. We've got to read Luke. Just a little bit of it. Let's look in Luke chapter 1. The beginning of Luke here is, there's an excitement to it. This is everything that God has, has been working since the beginning to bring salvation to a world lost in sin from all the way back with Adam and Eve. God has a, had a plan. He's been putting this together, and now is the time. It's go time, and God is sending an angel. We see, starting in verse 26, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him, to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The, fullness, the fulfillment of that promise. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. God's plan of redemption begins to unfold. The glory of what God has planned begins here. God, the Son of God, become a man, an infant child, put on human flesh, would grow up with the same hurts, the same temptations as we do, knowing every bit of what we feel growing up, and yet he would do it without sin. Only the Son of God could do that. And then as an adult, he would go willingly to the cross, and at the cross, pay the penalty for our sin, a perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ, with his own blood, would pay the penalty for our sin. He would die, be raised again. So that through faith in him, we could have forgiveness of our sins and new life. That is the glory of the birth of Jesus Christ. So what does that have to do with the family of God? Let's look in Galatians chapter 4. Starting in verse 4. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. To redeem is to purchase, to purchase us out from underneath this debt of the law that we had. The law was given because of sin. The law was there before Christ. And the law is basically, it's like turning the lights on to see the desperate situation that we are in with respect to God, what it would take to reconcile ourselves to God. The law prepared the way for Jesus who would fulfill the law. The requirements of the law were there to show us what it would take. Jesus came to do it on our behalf. And so Jesus' coming was him purchasing us out from underneath the law. The glory of God's salvation, of his mercy in that, but it's so much greater than that. It's not just that God came and provided the way for us to be reconciled to God, to be forgiven of our sins, but if we look here, that's in verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons to be adopted into the family of God. Literally, God is our father. Jesus is our brother. We are in the family of God by adoption. It says in verse six, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We get to call God Daddy. Think about that. Isn't that incredible? We truly are the family of God. What God has accomplished through his son. And we don't have to work for that. That's not something that I have to do to earn this place of being in the family of God. Our oldest son, Andy, we adopted. When we adopted Andy, we didn't say, okay, Andy, this is provisional. If you do these things now, you can fully be in our family. No, Andy didn't have anything to do with it. He's our son because I chose him to be my son and I adopted him. We're the sons and daughters of God because he's chose us to be his son, his daughter. How glorious is the grace of God. If we go back in Galatians 3, uh, Verse 26, it says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. It's through Christ alone, through faith alone, that we are the sons of God. Praise the Lord for his grace. So what has God accomplished here? When we look at the nativity scene this Christmas, I want us to just see the fullness of what God has accomplished through his son, Jesus. Let's look in Colossians chapter one in verse 13. He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him 
and for him he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Preeminent, what does that word mean? It means he's first, he's best. Jesus in everything. He's the older brother who is first. He was first to die. Through faith in him, our old life has been put to death. He was the first to rise from the dead. Through faith in him, we can have new life to be born again into the family of God. He was the first to be glorified and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Through faith in him, we will follow him in glory. That is our hope. Jesus is first. My older brother growing up was six years older than me. My younger brother was much closer in age. He's two years younger than I am. Our older brother liked to include his younger brothers in a lot of the things that we did. And because of that, we got to do a lot of things. Um, He had money. Uh, We got to do dirt bikes. Uh, He got us into doing RC planes. He got us into doing RC cars. Uh, He coached our soccer teams. Um, He even started a bluegrass band called the Mathis Brothers, gave me a banjo, gave my my brother a bass, and we played for Alpine Days. It was wonderful. He was an awesome older brother. I'm thankful for Stephen. My oldest, Andy, is a natural-born leader to his siblings. He can set the mood and tone in a room, and he can do it with his siblings as well as an older brother. I've seen him, he doesn't do it that often, but I've seen him get his siblings, all three of them excited about cleaning the house, and go through the house and clean it top to bottom. An incredible older brother. I don't know what your idea of a awesome older brother is, but Jesus is the perfect older brother. Jesus wants us to be a part of everything that he is doing. Jesus sets the mood and tone in this family. When our eyes are on him and when we're close to him, it changes everything about what's going on in this family. He's first. He's the greatest. He was there at the beginning of the world. He's God. All of these things that were described of him, everything was created by him, for him. We have the most awesome older brother, and he's part of this family. We can be proud of our older brother. He's perfect. Not in an annoying way, but in a way that you want to be like him. In fact, that's God's plan. Romans 8.29 says that those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he could be the firstborn of many brothers. That's God's plan. That's been God's plan, that we be like his son. He brought us into this family of God to be like his son. How incredible is the plan of God. So what does it look like to be like our older brother? We've been saved into this family. We've been adopted into this family. What does it look like to be like Christ? 
Let's look a little further into Colossians chapter 3. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We're going to be like our older brother. Let's have our focus where he's at, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. What is occupying our minds? For you have died, just like our older brother, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That is our hope. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. All right, we're going to be like our older brother. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We've got to put to death all of that. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That's what we've been saved from. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. That's not what Jesus would do. That's not what we should be doing in this family. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Putting off the old. Putting on Christ. That's what we need to be doing in the family of God. So we have an idea of what the family of God and our part of it individually What does that look like as a group, as a body, to be the family of God? The next verse in verse verse 11 says, Here, in the family of God, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. The family of God is greater than our differences. Praise the Lord that God has begun Hope Church as two languages with one hope. We aren't two bodies here. We're one body. This is one family. And I pray that it really becomes a tight-knit family where language doesn't divide us, that culture doesn't divide us. That we can say, here, there is no Caucasian Hispanic. We can say, here, what divides us? Here, there is no Democrat or Republican. Here, there is no black or white. Here, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised. That's not a distinction that we make here in these days. However... The equivalent might be here, there's no legal or illegal. Can we be a church where Christ is all, in all? And that defines who we are. Can we do it? We can't. But Christ, who is in all, who is all, can. Boy, we need to have our focus in the right place. When it says, keep your eyes on the things that are above, that's when we stop looking at the difference between me and the person next to me and realize we have one Savior, we have one hope, 
this is my brother, this is my sister. And in here, even though there's differences and there's struggles that are outside of here, when you get into the family of God, we are one, two languages, one hope. So what does that look like? Put our differences aside and follow God's direction. Let's continue on. It says, putting on then, verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We're putting on Christ. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you, so, so you also must forgive. I can guarantee you that as we're putting together two languages, two cultures, there's more than two cultures here. There's multiple cultures here. It's hard enough to have unity in the church when you all fit into the same category. We are following God's direction and intentionally being a church that has multiple categories. We are going to offend each other. We are going to do something we don't realize culturally that is not okay with our brother or sister. We are going to be offended by something. We're going to be offended by somebody being offended. This is going to happen. So are we preparing our hearts and our mindset for what it looks like here? To have that focus on Christ where he has already forgiven us. And now our older brother is saying, as I've forgiven you, you forgive your brother and sister. He's setting the mood and tone, but that's only going to happen if our eyes are on him. Let's continue. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Boy, I love that. There's so much struggle. But in here, there's peace. In the family of God, there's real peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What is the word of Christ? It's the gospel. It's the word of God. We need the word of God to be spoken in this church, in our, in our small groups, in our homes. Let the let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's how God wants us to be a church. How incredible it is to be a part of what God is doing. I pray that this we stay the course on this one. This is not normal. Church, I think, is the most segregated part of the U.S. In, in too many cases. Where we have the church that's this flavor and the church that's this flavor and we speak this language or we look this way or we have this belief. The church of the Democrats and the church of the Republicans. That, that doesn't exist in God's family but there's going to be struggle, and if we don't have our focus in the right place, it's not going to work. Because in our strength, we're going to fall right back into what's going on around us. 
but the family of God truly is God's family. We can be the way that God wants us to be. All right, the final point. In the family of God, relationships are transformed. Everything's transformed. If we're in that right place, we're following our older brother. Jesus is the example. And what he says sets the tone for everything that we're doing. That's going to get into our relationships as well with our spouse, with our kids, with our boss. And it doesn't require that the other person is also saved. But when they are, something amazing can happen because two people submitting to Christ, whose eyes are on Christ, were saying, okay, God, what I'm going to do is for you. It's going to follow the way that you say that I'm going to do it, whether I understand it or not. And boy, the blessing that comes into those relationships. So what does it look like, relationships in the family of God and a family that's healthy? Continuing in verse 18, says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. An equivalent for us would be your boss. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service. It could also just be the authorities that are over us um, and around us. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You notice over and over again, as to the Lord, serving the Lord. You are doing this to the Lord. Is there any part of that where I'm trying to figure out what I'm getting out of a relationship? Am I going to stay in this relationship because of what I'm getting out of it? There's no part in this. It's all to the Lord, for the Lord. I can be in a relationship where I'm getting nothing out of it. It's not to my benefit at all. But praise the Lord that he is using me in the life of that person. Do we have that perspective on the relationships that we have? It's for the Lord. Boy, how our church, if we have that mindset that's focused on Christ and our families are being transformed because of it, how we could stand out in this community how we could stand out to our neighbors, how God could use this church to be a light to a world where relationships are broken. Boy, they're broken. There's a lot of hurting people. And the answer is in Christ. It is the only answer. Praise the Lord for his plan. So can we be a church? Let's be a church where our eyes are on Christ. Our eyes are on our big brother, letting him set the mood and tone for what goes on in this family. Let's be the family of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
that you have created this family. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your plan of sending your son. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross on our behalf. Thank you for the life that we have in you. Jesus, to call you brother. God, to call you daddy. (laughs) It is good to be in your family. God, I pray for Hope Church, Iglesia Esperanza. Give us unity. God, show us how we can love each other even when we don't speak the same language. Thank you for the life events that I've already had in this this body where we've been able to reach out. God, give us more opportunity to be the, the body of Christ. Give us courage to face our fears. Give us persistence to push through awkwardness, to trust you when we don't think that we can be that, to be loving to someone that we don't understand. God, the glory of finding that the same hope exists in a person who doesn't speak my language. I've got to experience that. I pray that we would all experience the unity that's in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.